Hello, welcome to What I Witnessed. My name is Jose Ortega, and I am an oral historian and former paranormal investigator. I will combine these skills to bring you chilling stories of the paranormal told by the people who experienced them firsthand. I'll do my best to keep the narrators from collaborating on their stories before I record them so that I can get their most genuine story as they witnessed it. You will never hear secondhand accounts, folklore, or dramatizations, only real stories told by real people. My name is Jose Ortega, and this is what I witnessed. So I'll tell you about why I first became a paranormal investigator. Um, my father did paranormal investigations when I was younger. My mom was a clairvoyant. She would see things. She would feel things. She would see people and you know, predict things here and there. Um, so I was always a believer. I always believed that there was ghosts. There was possessions. There was demons. There was aliens you know I was always kind of ingrained to think about those things and to take them as something that was real but I had never had an experience and that is one thing I wanted to do was to have my own personal experience so you know when all the rage started happening with ghost hunters and paranormal investigations and going in with these high-tech devices and these kind of things I jumped on the bandwagon you know I can say that 100% that I jumped on the bandwagon and I wanted to start my own paranormal group. The paranormal, the paranormal group I started was Pueblo County Paranormal Investigators. And we did several investigations all around town. We did homes. We did a few businesses. Um, you know, most of the things we caught were um, voice voices on the recorders. Um, you know, we had never really seen anything physical. Um, you know, never really had any kind of personal experiences. So, you know, we, we kind of fizzled out. We would start up again and fizzle out, start up again and fizzle out solely because, you know, a lot of the times people would back out of investigations at the last minute. They wouldn't want us to go in. They think we would excite the ghost. We were going to um, conjure more ghosts. We were going to, um, you know, be mean to the ghost and the ghost be mean to them later on. And, you know, that's not what we were going to do. We just wanted to find evidence, you know, and that's all we were doing. We're, we're evidence finding people and that was it. But, you know, that kind of led to us not pursuing it as much because it was hard to set up interviews and then to be shot down, you know, a day or two ahead of time. Um, but one of the investigations we did was in a home owned by Maury Bernstein um, Maury Bernstein was a Colorado businessman. Um, he was also an amateur hypnotist. And this was in the 1940s, 1950s, I think. And, you know, this was all after the the 1920s, early 1900s age of spiritualism, you know, kind of already was fizzling out, you know, the seances and ectoplasm and those kind of pictures that were going on and, you know, happening to these kind of things that was already kind of dying down. Um well, Maury Bernstein, he hypnotized a woman by the name of Virginia Ty from Pueblo, Colorado, which is where I'm from. Um, in the book, she is called Ruth Simmons. She, you know, wanted to be known as that alias rather than her real name. Um, he hypnotized her several times and she told several different stories of a previous life in 19th century Ireland from childhood to death to even before she was born. 
Um, so Maury Bernstein wrote a book called The Search for Bridie Murphy. And in this book detailed everything that happened in the um, during the hypnotisms. And this created a firestorm. There was Bridie Murphy themed parties. There was come as you were parties. You would come as what you were in a previous life. There was cartoons made, songs made. It was made into a movie. So this kind of started a firestorm of hypnotism in the United States and, you know, I all around the world because how many copies this book sold in short amount of time, it just created this huge, huge, massive following of hypnotism. Later on, the story was checked out by reporters and a lot of the facts that were told within the book were debunked. They were saying they weren't true. There was no evidence of them, um, of her previous life, of her husband, of what he did as a worker. Some of the things didn't line up with other places that she had spoke about. You know, these places were either um, not in business at the time or created at the time, and they were created after the death of Bridie Murphy. Um, but some of the things they were able to verify um, but there was a lot of discrepancies within the woman who told the story. Um, she lived across the street from a woman by the name of Brittany Murphy. Um, her parents were Irish. You know, maybe they had told her some things. She had never visited Ireland, but, you know, maybe there was things told to her. Um, so there was just a lot of controversy around whether the story was true or not. But this was a home owned by Maury Bernstein. Um, I'm not sure if any hypnotisms or anything was happening or going on in the home, um, but this was a home that was built for him by Corwin Middle School in Pueblo, Colorado. And um, it was owned by my boss's brother, and he asked us to come in and investigate. He wanted us to you know, check things out because there was some deaths and suicides spirits were being seen shadow people footsteps voices you know and this was a reoccurring phenomena it was one of his rental properties so a lot of these stories lined up from different tenants different tenants would tell different things about you know stuff happening within the home um so we agreed we said sure you know let us check it out you know we went in um you know, I'll describe the home right as soon as you enter the front door. There was the main living room, living area to the back of the home was the kitchen uh, to the right. There was stairs, you know, um, one bedroom to the right, one bedroom to the left. And then there was a bathroom in between. There was a basement. Um, not my, my brain is kind of foggy with the downstairs. We investigated down there, but I'm not sure if there was any rooms or bathrooms or if there was any other bathrooms on the main area also. Um, you know, cause this was seven, eight years ago. This was a while back that we had done this interview or this investigation. So we started the investigation, you know, we went in with our equipment, we had infrared cameras, we had voice recorders, EMF meters, you know, kind of the standard toolkit of ghost hunters at that time. But we also relied on our senses, you know, mainly our eyes and our ears. The, during the investigation, you know, there was nothing really going on in the living room. There was nothing really going on in, you know, the main spaces. We went down to the basement. You know, there was some easy, uneasy feelings. 
I believe Antonio, which was one of the gentlemen that went with us, I believe he had a, a small experience downstairs. I don't quite recollect what that was, but I know there was uneasy feelings when we went downstairs. Hi, my name is Mark Gallegos, and this is what I've witnessed. Um, Jose, Roe, and myself, we were doing a hunt at this house on the south side of Pueblo, Colorado. And all three of us were sitting on the main level, uh, listening to the house. And then all of a sudden I hear some movement on the basement. So I take off running down the basement and Jose and Ro follow me downstairs. And we looked all over and we couldn't find what made the noise. So we decided to stay down there, ask questions and get a feel for the basement. But a lot of the times when I go into investigations, you know, I do believe in these things, but I also am skeptical. Um, you know, every place you have isn't going to be a ghost. Every place you go isn't going to have some kind of phenomena. You know, it, it, there's just so many different factors that could come into um, why there may be presence of something going on. So when I'm downstairs in the room, I always attribute those feelings that I have to being in a new space, being in the dark, trying to acclimate myself to the area because it's unfamiliar. You know, so I always kind of explain that away. So I never really think that those feelings are something that is paranormal of nature. I think it's just more of my own feelings. Um, you know, so we did our first bit of investigating and we decided to go outside, leave our recorders going and, you know, just see if anything happened while we were outside. You know, um, one of the tricks we used to like to do sometimes, too, when we were inside the home, we would all just start having a conversation amongst ourselves not even asking the ghosts anything, not even asking questions or anything like that. We would just talk amongst ourselves to see if maybe something popped up in between what we were talking about, something we didn't hear, you know, just kind of not pay attention to whatever was happening in the home. Um, that has worked a few times, but we left our recorders going, came back in, you know, our, our recorders were, weren't the greatest you know, bits of, of technology at the time because we had to buy these things. We had to pay for these things out of our pocket. So, you know, we can afford really expensive things. So, you know, my video camera was a little DVD recorder. It would record on little disc and record for like an hour or two hours at a time. Then you have to flip the disc over and record again. And, you know, so we would all constantly have to change our tapes to make sure that we're capturing everything for the night. We went back in, changed our tapes, you know, had the lights on, made sure everything was going, make sure everything was okay. Then we decided to go upstairs. We investigated the room to the left. We didn't really feel anything. There wasn't really anything going on. Um, we went past the bathroom into the other room, which was the main bedroom, which was to the front of the house. The other back bedroom was to the back of the house. So this bedroom in the front of the house was probably the master bedroom. Um, you know, if we think of it as a rectangle on the front of the house, there was just the main long wall. And I believe there was a window or two on the left side was a closet and then a little space of the wall. And then on the back side of the wall, there was the doorway to the, the back left. And then there was a long wall all the way to the right hand wall which had another window. Um, so we decided to investigate in there. And I sat almost across from the door where I could see into the hallway. My buddy Mark, who was the other investigator that night, 
he sat just a little further down the same wall I did, but he could also see out the door. And on the right wall is where Antonio sat and he couldn't see the door at all. So one thing we do when we first go lights out is we sit in silence and we let ourselves get acclimated to the sounds and, you know, any kind of creaks or, or, you know, even voices outside, you know, just to kind of get a sense of the sounds we're going to get, you know, want to get familiar with. Um, Plus that's also an adjustment period for our eyes because, you know, with the lights on, your pupils are smaller and it's harder to see in the dark once you turn those lights off. So we sit there and just let ourselves get acclimated to the room. And, you know, so we do that maybe 20 minutes, half hour, um, just total silence, no words, no nothing. And about halfway through, I kept noticing something in the doorway and it was coming from right to left. And if you remember out the door to the right is the bathroom. There was a small wall and then the door entrance to the bathroom, then another small wall that would go into the other bedroom. So, you know, there was no way for a person to hide there and peek in and out. But I kept seeing this thing and it was about halfway up the door, kind of looked child sized. And I was thinking that I can make out this head and shoulders and then it'd peek and it, you know, go back and then it would peek in and go back. And at first I just attributed this to my eyes. I thought, well, you know, my eyes are still getting adjusted to the dark. The shadows may be playing tricks on me. You know, I just explained it away right away because I wasn't sure if I was seeing what I was seeing. Um, and it happened several times. And the last time I saw it, it peeked its head in and I saw an arm dangling straight from the shoulder down to the floor. And it was looking and it was dangling to the side of the person, of the shadow person. And so that was telling me, okay, I think I'm seeing something. And the little figure went back and. And while we were sitting down there. I remember seeing a head poke in and out of the the door doorway to the hallway, and uh, we were sitting there, and it happened three or four times, and then uh, after that, um, we got a few uh, sounds that we heard, uh, and uh, I remember asking Jose if he was seeing the shadow when the in the doorway. And I believe he said, yes, he did. I finally said something. I broke the silence and I said, I think I keep seeing something. And my buddy Mark goes in the doorway. I said, yeah, he goes about halfway up. I go, yeah. He goes from right to left. I said, yeah. And he said, I've been seeing the same thing, but I thought it was just my eyes. And in that moment, he verified everything that was that I was witnessing in that moment, seeing this shadow person drift in and out, drift in and out. And that was kind of exciting for me because it was the first time I actually had seen something that I couldn't explain. And it was corroborated by Mark because he was seeing the same exact thing. And he was kind of, he's like me, he's a skeptic. So he kind of just, you know, tries to find reasons why these things may be happening. And he thought it was his eyes too. Um, 
you know, and, and it was a really cool thing that we talked about afterwards. Um, after we wrapped up the investigation, we went and listened to our audio. We caught full sentences, a few voices. Um, but, you know, other than that sighting, there was nothing else that really happened. And that was just one of the best experiences I had as a paranormal investigator. Another strange occurrence that I witnessed was a UFO. I had taken my son, Jose, and my nephew, Aaron, to wrestling practice. It was at the Dolores Huerta Preparatory High School in Pueblo, Colorado. And we just had finished up practice. The boys were really sweaty. They were kind of amped up. And, you know, we walk across the parking lot. We get into the car. And I get in the front driver's side. Jose gets to the right of me in the front seat. Aaron's in the middle in the back. And, you know, we're just getting ready to start the car and take off. And Aaron says, what is that? And we all look up and in the front of us to the west were these three lights in the sky. My name is Aaron Sotelo and this is what I witnessed. Um, I'd say maybe 10 years ago. I couldn't say the exact age. I just know we were fairly young. Uh, I remember we were in wrestling practice at DHPH. So this was before I moved away, which was in the fourth grade. This has to be maybe second or third. So we were real young. Um, growing up, I always liked looking at the sky, especially out here in Colorado. You know, it was like real pretty. Um, we left practice that night. And I honestly couldn't say if it was me that saw this first or if it was Jose. But one of us looked into the sky and noticed something was unordinary. They looked like stars. I thought they were stars, but it seemed like they were too close to be stars. And uh, the formation of them, like it was weird. There was uh, three of them. My name's Jose Ortega, and this is what I witnessed. One day when I was a, sometime in elementary school, I want to say third, between third and second grade is when that this occurred. And it was after a wrestling practice because I participated in wrestling or some sort of extracurricular activity like that. I'm not exactly sure. It's been such a long time ago. But we're all waiting outside of the car, um, inside of the car with my father and my cousin. And I'm not sure exactly why we're waiting. I'm probably, I assume it's probably because we're waiting for somebody, possibly my mother. Um, and then we're sitting there for a while, just, you know, probably listening to music or something like that. And then all I hear is my cousin, Uncle, what is that in the sky? And we look, my my dad looks and he's like, yeah, what is that? And I look too and obviously it was these three um, standing lights aren't moving at all. They're completely stationary and holding the position. And there were three red lights and they looked like they were moving very slowly towards us. Um, they were still far off in the distance. They weren't really close to us, but we can see the three lights coming towards us. And, you know, so we just kind of sat there and watched them for a little bit. You know, there wasn't any kind of other movements or anything. They were just kind of going slow. Um, and then all of a sudden, they all three disappeared, just gone. There was a triangle formation of these bright lights. They're, they're real bright. I noticed that right off the bat because you look at a normal star, you know, it's so far away that it's gleaming, but it's just like it's distant. These were way different. They were real close super bright and they were like hovering 
they were moving around so i knew they weren't stars um it, it was almost like they were looking at me like it was interesting they uh they just stood there and we all looked at them and we we're like what is that none of us knew i um i remember the formation itself was real interesting to me it was a triangle we're just you know you know um this, our minds are blown about how these things stay so perfectly still like that you know no motion and then after a while they just disappear like they weren't even there you know this is the clear sky and they were like what the heck where, where did it go and then all of a sudden they appeared back and out of nowhere, you know, and then they disappear again. And, you know, we kind of just sat there and watched a little more and, you know, cause we were still trying to process what was happening. And then one light showed up and it shot off to the right. The second light shot up, showed up and it shot off to the right. The third light showed up and it shot off to the right. And then out of nowhere one by one they just shot off in the distance each in opposite directions super fast and then one light appears shoots off to the left as fast faster than any movable object could move in that short amount of time you know it even it seemed like it had no acceleration at all it was instant instant max speed then another one appeared zoom zoomed away then a third one appeared zoom zoomed away and we just sat there quiet wondering what we had saw at first maybe i thought they were flares you know because they were kind of going slow in the sky they were coming towards us you know they were moving at a slow rate of speed but then they disappeared and shot off and i couldn't explain that and me and the boys sat there quiet processing quiet processing none of us said anything and I don't know which one of them said, you know, what, what do you think that was? And I couldn't explain it. I had to say, well, you know, I think we saw a UFO. You know, we did see an unidentified flying object. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know if it was an airplane, helicopters, any other kind of aircraft. We didn't know if there were flares. Um, just the movements in the sky you know, may baffled us. So I told them we saw a UFO. I never said to them that we saw alien life, something otherworldly. You know, this isn't something that um, I had told them because that may not be true. But we did see an unidentified flying object because we couldn't explain why these things showed up, why they were going slow, why they showed up individually and they, why they shot off at such a fast speed. I thought about it for a while growing up after. I was like, maybe it was like an airplane or something. But then I go back and I'm like, no, there's no way. The direction that each of them moved at the speed, it had to have been something else. And I just, I thought about that for a while. And, you know, based on how long ago this was, it was interesting to me that this stood so vivid in my memory, just the night itself, because we were young, you know, you don't really remember much from when you're this age, but I still remember it like it was yesterday, just walking outside, looking into the sky, seeing three, three little lights, super bright, all hovering. 
And then just like that, they're gone, each in different directions. It was almost like they broke out of formation and disappeared. That's how fast they moved throughout the sky. And then I, I just always thought about that. I remember as I got older, or I'm going to say this, I'm not much of a believer in the paranormal just because I haven't had many experiences like ghosts, aliens, UFOs, even spirits. I'm not too sure how I feel about it, but I will say I have an open mind to a lot of things. Um, like st- st- statistically speaking, we are tiny on this in the solar system, and that's not even figuring how small we are in the entire galaxy. And I remember I had an astronomy professor talk to me, and he was like, "Statistically speaking, there's probably life out there." And I'm not saying these were aliens. They could have been like military drones, but I I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it just because you, what you see versus what you like read about or even videos on the internet, it's a lot different. Like you could look up a video about a ghost and you're like, wow, that's scary, but it's not going to make you believe in ghosts. But if you see something firsthand, that's when you're like, wow, this is weird. Maybe, just maybe. So I, I think what we saw that night it could have been aliens or you take the term ufo unidentified flying object that's true it was a ufo in my in my opinion because we don't know what it was um i remember i looked into drones themselves like the ones we fly around personal usage um i'm like but then there's no way based on the time of this this was had to have been 2009 2010 maybe um and if it was, I don't think there were drones capable at the time of doing what these, whatever it was, did. And that's, I'm telling you, it was like a formation of three bright lights. And just like that, shoot off one this way, one the other way, and then one the final direction. Like, I don't know. It could be UFOs or aliens, I'm sorry. Or it could be something innocent, you know? But it's just interesting to think about because there's a lot out there that we don't know about. And that's referring to like government technology, even at the time. So, yeah, that is my story. This is what I witnessed. There were never any other reports that I had seen in the following days about UFOs or sightings or, you know, aircraft flares. Nothing like that showed up in the newspapers or anywhere. So... You know, we were wondering if maybe other people had seen the same lights that we had. And I never found anybody else that have. Um, But it was just another strange occurrence that have happened to me. Thank you for downloading the What I Witnessed podcast. If you have a story that you'd like to tell, email us at whatiwitnessed at gmail.com. W-A-T-E-Y-E-W-I-T-N-E-S-S-E-D at gmail.com.